0: This is Coda Radio, episode 483 for September 14th, 2022. Hey there, good buddy. Welcome back to Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show. Taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and the world of technology. And joining me like the damn pro he is, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. How you feeling? Hey, hey, hey. I'm uh, I'm here. How are you? <laughs> I'm here. You know, <laughs> I feel like I didn't sleep last night, but I feel like I also
1: shouldn't complain since uh, I'm not sick either. At least not yet. I could be going that direction, though. Oh, man. It's, you know what? Kids. Kids and cons and...
0: Yeah, I, uh, I kind of, unfortunately... No, i think more people that are sick right now with covid-like symptoms than when we did the lockdowns back in 2019 there are several members of the jb team that are sick right now i've got uh, a neighbor who's sick right now i've got uh, friends that are sick it's just a lot of people are getting it because the kids are going back into the schools you know
1: yeah it's wonderful children
0: i feel like somebody should do a podcast out there that is really just focuses on how to be productive and have offspring or like how to be productive and have a big hot, you know, a time consuming hobby, like how to be productive and not let it consume your life. You know, just like there's a whole series out there. If anybody has pro tips, they should start a podcast and send us a link. All right, let's get into the feedback this week. We are recording on a Wednesday, which is unusual for us. Hump day. A lot's going on this week, but we're going to start with Dan. Dan says, You might as well forget your dreams of Windows on top of a Linux kernel. It is impossible. Hi, Chris and Mike. I've been listening to episode 481, and I heard the suggestion from Dave Jones that Windows should switch to the Linux kernel. In my humble opinion, that's never going to happen due to extremely tight connections between the Windows user space and the kernel space in the Windows API. For instance, Windows kernel drivers are launched as a service, essentially like a daemon on Linux where you pass the same parameters to the service with the driver's main entry point, it expects that. All of this follows the extremely strict Windows API and ABI stability guarantees. Microsoft never depreciates anything. It's a humongous API. Tens of thousands of functions. But the upside is if you wrote something in the 90s with the documented API, you could probably still try to run it and it may actually work. Just try that on Linux. The downside is obvious though. Any iteration of Windows must stay compatible with the old APIs. Building a compatibility layer for all user space calls is challenging by itself. Wine is slowly getting there, but the real problem is the Linux kernel. There's no stable kernel internal API or ABI, but there is one for Windows, and Windows driver vendors expect that because they just want to throw it in there And they don't want to mess with the API changes or breakage. They don't want to do code reviews from pesky nagging kernel developers. The bottom line is, in my opinion, Windows switching to Linux kernel is an idealistic dream that is impossible. Due to the Windows guaranteeing of API and ABI stability for decades. But keep up the great show. Also, he's wondering if Mike has any recommendations for getting into MTG. Do you agree with this take that it's impossible for for this kind of thing to happen because I feel like you could have made this argument. It's impossible to ever have native Linux running on windows, but Microsoft made a compatibility layer that makes that work.
1: Yeah. I I think the word impossible is kind of problematic. Is it very hard and inconvenient and maybe not super practical? Yeah. Okay. He makes a very good argument for that. Is it worth the engineering effort? Probably never. With with infinite devs and infinite money, you can basically do anything. Right. But the point is well taken. I mean, yeah. So I Agree, then. I doubt it will happen. I wouldn't say it's impossible, but it seems unlikely. Uh, Into getting into MTG, boy, do I have tips. So, I'm assuming you mean Paper MTG, not uh, Arena, which is the digital game. Which runs fine on Lutris, by the way, for our Linux-loving folks. Oh, good! I would recommend, and this is kind of situationally dependent on your location, finding your local game store... Seeing if they have like a casual night of either a commander or draft and just go on over. Most of the community is pretty friendly. It is very much like the Linux community, except uh, they won't mention packaging. Although they will mention deck sleeves and boxes a lot, which is, I guess, a form of it, it's all packaging. (laughs) Yes! You can never escape it. There's the equivalent of the arch user over there too. It's like, oh, I was running this, you know, ten years ago.
0: Oh, of course.
1: Yeah, you know, it's 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 in his A-U-R. a u r. What is it? Yeah, the a u r arch user repository. Yeah. Oh my lord. Uh, yeah, I would go down to an LGS, uh, preferably on a casual night. People can get a little salty on like the ranked tournaments if you don't know what you're doing. Another good way to to learn just like the mechanics of the game arena is uh is basically free if you want it to be and if you want to spend a little bit of money like 20 bucks you can go again to that lgs buy i think they call it the arena starter kit which is two kind of easy to play decks that come with a code for arena that give you those cards as well other than that have fun right i mean i'm assuming you're not looking to go like you know rcq or Pro or up just go to something casual one last tip uh, definitely buy sleeves as always packaging is all we talk about on the show and people do like to have them soda while they play and people just i don't get it sugar and cardboard it's just not a good, good it's like laptops and beverages they don't go well together hendrix gin is amazing for a mac <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got to make sure it's the good gin <laughs> yeah you didn't want to pour like anything out of a plastic bottle is just insulting by the way i'm on my dev one while well, its body may be plastic i think Or magnesium. Yeah, magnesium,
0: magnesium, I think. I think I was corrected. It's not plastic. It's like a magnesium.
1: It's it's. This is my I'm working at the bar computer or I have to take it with me to my local game store. Because this thing, for whatever reason, and I think this is maybe Carl, because you remember that little meeting we had with them in HP where you just blew up my spot about beverages in it? I do. <laughs> that was not great.
0: <laughs> you got you
1: got called out. You got called out on a phone call with HP. <laughs> and the HP guys are like, what the f what do you mean? He's gonna pour a drink into it. Like <laughs> this machine has avoided all liquids. Well now you almost gotta do it to like prove a point. Well, I, I literally I've taken photos for Twitter trolling, putting martini glasses on it. And it seems I don't know. So far, so good, huh? Yeah.
0: Are you still are you so you're still liking the rig? You still really liking the Dev One?
1: I like the rig. The only the only thing I've and in fact, this is a, we should maybe do a Dev One update. I think it's a little psychotic on the battery estimation. Are you seeing that too? I always have.
0: I've always it's always kind of been kind of psychotic. So I don't really pay any attention to it until it's down to like thirty four or thirty or twenty percent. and Then I start taking it seriously. Yeah,
1: but you notice it jumps like yeah, yeah. That's a little, I think that's part of their weird screen. Uh, they're they're trying to power power manage it
0: there's that and i also think there's still work in progress on some of the amd components to just kind of really dial in i think it gets better with newer kernels but i don't know for sure i i've also had you know some updates installed and i'd say right now i'm having one out of three or four times i open the lid when it's been sleeping maybe overnight or something like that or sometimes even short you know 30 minute breaks Every fourth time, every third time-ish, somewhere in that range, the Wi-Fi won't reactivate.
1: Interesting.
0: I could try toggling airplane mode. Doesn't do anything. It just, the Wi-Fi just never comes back and I have to reboot. I'm not on Pop. I'm on Nix and I don't know if there's a...
1: Okay, yeah, I'm still on the Pop that it came with. So I haven't seen that. Although I honestly, when I put it in my briefcase, because this is maybe going way back. Do you remember those 13-inch MacBooks with the NVIDIA GPUs? Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. I had one of those that basically decided to melt down in my briefcase way back when cuz it didn't sleep properly. So, I tend to just shut down when I put them in the briefcase, but
0: Yeah. And it boots so damn quick. That's what I've started doing.
1: Is I'll, I just shut it down. Yeah, I just shut it down. I mean, it's so far so good. I I am a little bit wishing they had a configurator on that webpage because I'm starting to see that I'm probably going to want to go up to like 24 gigs.
0: Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna experiment with doing a RAM upgrade in one of the Dev ones here at the studio. We have two now. Oh, and uh, we're gonna open up Branson upgrade the RAM.
1: Yeah, it, it looks pretty pretty straightforward. Yeah, and I know HP says you have to buy their fancy RAM. I think that's basically bull. We didn't Corsair, here <laughs> we come! Right, yeah. right. new age, totally. Yeah, all right. So anyway,
0: it's still been a really great. It's been a solid machine, good performance. You know, in terms of like. Ah, uh, smoothness. It's very. It's a very smooth machine. Uh,
1: I like all that about it, and it's quite a bit of CPU power. And if you're disgusting, it does have a nubbin. So, so the wardrobe. Oh my god! This no. I was going to say your cult following now. I know we have a wardrobe cult following now. We do ropes. We wear ropes.
0: I don't. I think there's something. to I think what I love is that I touched on something that the coder audience has been thinking about. Maybe we all think about this. Have you considered just doing the wardrobe thing? Have you thought about this? Just same thing every day basically. Maybe you change
1: it up depending on the season. Uh you know, I not really. I mean, when I go on site with clients, I just have like a purple Matt Botter uh, polo shirt and I usually like wear that with jeans or khakis. So I guess that's kind of a wardrobe, but Yeah, that's uniformish. Yeah, but when I'm just like home or working, I'm I don't know, right now I'm wearing an ATP t-shirt because I'm a trader.
0: I've been thinking I should I should just get like a branded basically that kind of stuff. Um, David wrote in, I, I think. So I'm I'm still taking opinions, So let me know because I'm not going to do anything before the road trip. So I got time to mull it over. And David David wrote in over there. He says, hey, I say, hey, David, how's it going? He says, hey, personally, I wear a bunch of navy colored polo shirts and it seems to be the standard in the industry with engineers from various companies. The navy color means they don't show the stains. (laughs) They look smart. And most importantly for me, they don't need ironing. Wash them and immediately hang them. Dry indoors. Perfect. Love the podcast as always. David from the United Kingdom. Well, hey, David, thank you. I like the tip about the i I I stain a lot. So I appreciate that tip. That's a good one.
1: Yeah, I don't really have any more white shirts for a reason. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh and then the ones I did they got mixed
0: up with some like pink stuff from the girls. It's now now my undershirts are pink. It's it's bad. It's bad. And then we also on the wardrobe track we got a boost from uh, Bronze Wing who boosted him with just over 9000 sats. It's
1: over 9000.
0: Nice. They say not to keep the uniform lifestyle thing going, but I too live the uniform lifestyle. But it's not an option. I work for the U.S. Army as a drone operator. The aircraft is called the Shadow, and the interface runs on Red Hat Linux. It's nice that I don't have to think about what I'm going to wear each day, but I find that when I need to go somewhere somewhat formal in my civilian life, I really don't have any clothes to wear. So I need two wardrobes. (laughs) Thanks for the show, and keep up the good work. That's how I feel.
1: I just want to say this guy writes in saying he's a drone operator for the military on something called the shadow and he thinks the interesting part of his email is his wardrobe i thought the interesting part was that the shadow runs rel <laughs> that's what i thought was great actually question does, does the tog pay per drone a license for rel is that how that works i bet i bet that at least the workstations i bet they do yeah they got it oh i wish they'd tell us more i really would love to know more and why I i mean i'm sure There's some dark basement somewhere in Virginia where there's like a guy taking these damaged drones and putting Arch on them. You know he exists, the Arch drone operator.
0: Also, you got to think about like there was some Linux dev out there who's like building applications for Linux to run these drones. And so imagine saying you're a Linux dev and then somebody asks, so what do you do? I create the desktop UI software to run the drone program? Like, that's what I do. That's my software development for Linux.
1: They are the darkest of dark matter
0: devs. Like, they're, <laughs> yeah. That's I love it. I, I would I'd be interested to know if the drones themselves run Linux. I have so many questions. Like, is it the GNOME desktop?
1: Oh, no, I think it's the drones themselves that are running probably, like, headless RHEL. Oh, you you think that like the operation machine the the control machine is actually running RHEL too?
0: Yeah, oh. yeah, because he wrote the interface runs on Red Hat Linux.
1: Oh, okay, yeah.
0: So I'm, but I'm wondering, is that like a GTK application? Is it like a cute app on a GNOME desktop? Like, how weird is it? I have so many questions.
1: Okay, you have to you have to write in again, man. But this time, just let's forget the wardrobe. <laughs> you know, I wish I'd
0: figured this out before the meetups because I really don't have anything great to wear to the meetups and we're about to do a whole swath of West Coast meetups. This is my last show in studio before last coder. We're gonna do Linux unplugged on Sunday. Oh actually wait a minute. I think I'm gonna squeeze out next week's Coder first before I leave. I think that's my plan. Is I'm gonna sneak I'm gonna get the R V ready to go and then I'm gonna sneak down to the studio because we're doing it in the morning now. We'll bang out Coder in the morning and then I'm basically hitting the road immediately after we get off the air. Do you want to do it earlier then? No, I don't, I don't think I could. (laughs) My name's for a show is pretty early. No, I'm not complaining, but I get up at probably about 6.30 to do the show at nine. I can't even, of course, maybe. Recently, I've been waking up at four like an idiot, so you never know. But no, I think it'll be fine. I think it'll work out because I've, the way I look at the timing, I think that means we'll actually just offset all of the major traffic. So we may actually, we may actually work out really, uh, really well. If you're going to be able to make it to any of the West Coast meetups, and we have several of them up and down the I-5 corridor. Go to meetup.com slash jupiter Broadcasting and let us know so we can prepare the venue. We want to let everybody know. We're also going to bring some swag on board. You'll have an opportunity to grab some of that. And then we'll be doing the shows from the road as well. And we have a Matrix chat room to discuss all of the logistics at bit.ly slash West Coast Crew. You can go over there and chat with us and chat with the other folks in the area. Some people are looking to do like carpooling, things like that. Bit.ly slash West Coast Crew. And of course, a big thank you to Linode for making this possible. They are the ones that are sponsoring this, putting it all together, helping us with the logistics because they want to invest in our community. Linode.com slash coder. That's right. Linode.com slash coder is where you go to get $100 in 60 day credit on a new account. And it's just a great way to support the show while you're checking out something truly awesome. Linode is fast, reliable cloud hosting. You really should try it for your next project is what we use for everything we've built, like our brand new website, because we're performance hounds. And they've got 11 data centers for you to choose from. So something's going to be close to you, your customer, your client, your friends, your fams, whatevs. But also, they just have screaming fast rigs. They got NVMe storage if you need it. They got AMD EPIC CPUs. They got GPU dedicated rigs. They've got something that's going to meet your price and performance ratio that you need. Without being overly complicated, without over-jargoning everything and giving everything its own crazy esoteric name, like those Duopoly hyperscalers do that want to lock you into their platform. Linode's been getting by by just building a good product for nearly 19 years. Their business stands on the back of a good product. That's why they want to give you $100 to try it, because they know they got something good. And if they give you the ability to really kick the tires, you'll come away impressed. I love their S3 compatible object storage. Their cloud firewalls make it easy for us to manage traffic. And of course, the backup and snapshots are so simple and straightforward. And just reviewing where you're at making sure your backups are good before you make a major change. Super simple. You know, something Linode has begun offering semi recently. I mean, they've been offering it for a little bit now, but I think it's worth talking about is their new managed database service. What is new about it is they expanded to more database offerings, including Postgres and Mongo and MySQL, of course. So databases are rarely a one size fits all thing. And of course there's lots of different ways you could deploy them, lots of different options and configuration choices, So what I would recommend you do is if you go over to Linode's site, they have great documentation. And one of the areas you can look up is understanding managed databases versus unmanaged databases and figuring out where maybe you fit. A managed database is so nice. It gives developers and organizations an easy, cost, effective way to deploy a self-sufficient database cluster. And you let Linode's experts manage it and you focus on building your application. It's something that I think is super valuable. If you have a core focus and you want to let somebody else manage that kind of stuff, check that out. You can build it from scratch or you could do a one-click deployment and you got customer support 24-7. Go check them out, support the show, and get $100 on a new account when you go to linode.com slash coder. One more time to support the show. It's linode.com slash coder. iOS 16 came out on Monday and it was like late in the day. Mm-hmm. I almost thought they were going to punt, but they eventually did it. Have you upgraded any of your devices? Uh, yeah, my phone. Yeah, I did my phone. I've had the iPad on the beta for almost two months, and it's still on the beta. But I did go ahead, and I did upgrade the phone. Not a lot different on this release. This feels like one of their smaller ones, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Maybe for the best? I mean, it's a pretty mature platform at this point, right?
0: Yeah. Maybe better that they're not going hog wild. And I got to be honest, I do like the the lock screen customizations. The thing that really put over the top for me was that when you select a photo, you can then apply a filter to it to kind of give a, I won't be able to show it on camera, but to kind of give like a theme uh, for the background. I just really like the way it all came together. I actually think the lock screen customization stuff is done pretty well. But you know, when you're using it, you won't really notice much different. But there was one feature that I remember them mentioning but I completely forgotten about it until last night I was looking at photos with the wife and I just kind of accidentally discovered that when you tap an object, a dog, a person in a photo, Apple has added this kind of automatic edge detection and will pull that object, person, dog, whatever out of the background and kind of like almost create a, a PNG sticker out of them. And if that isn't the funnest thing, I don't know if you've tried this yet, but if you go into your photos app, and you find like a, a picture of a person and you tap them, almost like you're trying to make a live photo play. You'll see this really cool animation that looks like they've just been beamed up to the Starship Enterprise. Then it'll pull them away. And you can see when you move your thumb around, that's they it's pulled that object out of the background. And now you can copy that. You can share it. Man, I I remember using... Early versions of Photoshop when they first got layers and learning how to cut people and objects out of photos. And now to think that you can just tap and hold on your stupid little phone and it does a pretty good job (laughs) of finding the edges. It's like one of those little features that I just think is really great. And then also, finally, the pedometer that's shipped in like every freaking iPhone ever will go towards your movement rings and close them, which is just something I've really, I've always hated if I forget my watch. I never got the, I never got credit for it. Um, and you can edit iMessage, small stuff, right, for users. But I actually think Apple has a decent amount here for developers. Everything came with APIs and a kit, basically. You've got Widget Kit for the lock screen, a whole new set of app intents, uh, selectable map features. You can pull in individual parts of maps into apps. They have a whole new API there. New API for in-app purchases, a little bit better improvement there. New WeatherKit API. Um, they have platform-specific APIs. They also have a set of REST APIs that anybody can use for WeatherKit. They got new ARKit 6 in here. New types of apps in CarPlay, including EV charging apps, um, and some other things that should have been in the CarPlay forever. Just things like that. Things, there's new, new sets of developer toolkits and APIs. But you look at all this, plus you look at the iPhone 14. I'm kind of curious to hear what your takeaway is since the event just happened. The reviews just landed this morning for the iPhone 14 as we're recording. I just would love to hear what your takeaway of all of this is. is are you finding any of this interesting or is this a total bore to you?
1: I did not purchase an iPhone because it's, even though I'm two generations behind, it's just not big enough of a change to warrant the, what is it, like $800 it would cost.
0: Yeah, it feels it feels like a $1,000 cell phone these days. Is a little ridiculous. Not that it never was, but just with the price of everything and the overall kind of economic situation, it just feels like a lot of money to drop on a cell phone.
1: Right. And also, I found something more expensive to spend money on that I can't talk about. Oh. Oh, yes. Hookers. Did you say hookers? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I've, I'm actually opening my own gin mill now. I'm doing my own, my own <laughs> you know, like a, like an actor, right? I'm doing my own label. Yes! No, I mean, on the dev side, it's really interesting that they've basically made an API for every new feature, because all things have to relate to Magic the Gathering. Now, I could totally see the Magic Companion app using widget kit, hint, wizards, hint, uh, to have your lock screen show everybody's life totals, since you have an always-on lock screen if you're on an iPhone 14. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Being able to do things without jumping into individual apps is definitely going to be, I think, a major feature. I don't know if that's going to be great for app devs though, uh, from a monetization standpoint.
0: Yeah, I could see that being an issue. Oh, I should have mentioned Metal threes in here too. I uh, don't. What was your major takeaway? I think the thing that stuck out with me is this is kind of a classic Apple release. This is what I think they should be doing more of. To tell you the truth, I don't need the super shiny, crazy, whiz-bang features that blow me away. I like the small little things here. You know, this release also made some improvement for HomeKit. And I'm all about home automation stuff. They added support for Matter Standard, which should be coming later next year. And those kinds of things are nice to see. The stuff that resonated with me was actually the iPhone 14. I like the satellite emergency calling feature just because... I do go on a lot of road trips where there's large swaths of road that have no cell signal. And I've often wondered, what the hell am I going to do if I ever get in an accident or something breaks down and I'm hours away from signal? And I've thought about getting like those little Garmin handhelds and paying like the 11 bucks a month or whatever it is to, to have one just in case. But you know, then it's another device I have to charge, it's something I have to store, I have to teach the family how to use in an emergency, and then it's another monthly bill that I'm paying. So to have this built into the cell phone and it's free for a couple of years, so you get a good sense if it works or not, that to me feels like a pretty significant feature and a worthy addition to like a phone. Like I I wish we I wish we'd see all vendors do this. And then, on top of that, I think the camera improvements are decent. The reviews are saying that it's a good looking camera. It's not blow away, but it's better.
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty, pretty useful, especially if you're doing any kind of like biking or hiking. Um, I can tell you down here in Florida, we have some pretty interesting trails with lots of reptiles that want to kill you. So
0: (laughs) Uh, I guess the always on screen is like really always on, people are saying.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I like that, but
0: on the iPhone 14 Pro, if you got an Apple Watch and you walk out of the room, the iPhone screen will turn off using the proximity detection that they have based on the strength of the Bluetooth signal. And so when you walk back into the room, the screen turns back on. That's pretty neat. Yeah. I think it also has some like pocket detection stuff and proximity sensor stuff where it turns off the screen if it's in your pocket and and things like that. But, you know, you boil it down always on screen. They should have had that for a while. Lock screen widgets. They should have had that for a while, but now they're there and a better camera. And the satellite emergency calling. I went ahead and pulled the trigger for my upgrade program.
1: Oh, oh, you—that's right, you have the upgrade program. Yeah.
0: yeah, and you know I've had that since the iPhone Seven, and it just works for me when I'm on the edge, when I can't—you know—I was like, all right, I'll do it. You also, the iPhone fourteen Pro has that improved dual frequency GPS support that the Watch Ultra has. Again, another feature I use quite a bit. For those in the know, it's the L five satellite frequency. And they've added that to the iPhone 14 Pro. So, again, you're going to get more accurate GPS navigation in places where you don't necessarily have cell signal. Again, another feature. This really feels like, for those of us that end up in areas where we don't have cell signal very often, this is a pretty good iPhone upgrade. If I didn't have the upgrade program, I don't think I'd bother.
1: Yeah, it it doesn't feel like there's anything must have in here.
0: Yeah, I am pleased, like you said, that they are just coming out of the gate with APIs. They haven't launched it yet, but they also do the live intents for the Dynamic Island. So that new feature also ships almost on day one with an API. That's good. I mean, that's stuff we've been asking out of Apple for a while. I think it remains a competitive phone. I just think the pricing, uh, I wonder if we're going to see Apple sales really take a hit. Because I think a lot of people are repricing things right now in their head. And again, Apple sells to a particular demographic. Maybe they're the last to take a hit. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I th- I think out of what they announced, the probably the watch, and I could see a lot of people upgrading to the AirPods Pro two, um, who maybe skipped the last generation. I I don't uh, I don't know I don't know I don't know that people are going to be clamoring for this new iPhone, except as you pointed out, accidentally that upgrade program. If you have the upgrade program, you kind of might as well, I suppose.
0: And there's also rumors that they're going to launch another, like, phone subscription program. But, you know, Google has a really competitive one for the Pixel, if that floats your boat. Because their program, it's every two years, which seems totally reasonable to me. But I think you get to keep the phone. Oh, interesting. Yeah, which is great for, like, you know, hand-me-downs to kids and stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the, the nice things from a dev standpoint here is there's nothing necessarily exclusionary that's like iPhone 14 only. Uh, from an API perspective, you could argue that a lot of the lock screen stuff is maybe less useful on the older phones because the, you know, the phone goes to sleep, but you could still totally do it. Right. And those people, users could take advantage of those features when they wanted to.
0: I think in a couple of weeks, you're going to see people like David Smith and others going crazy with the lock screen widgets. I think that's going to be a big area.
1: I mean, I mean, yeah, David Smith, this is like, this is his jam, right? He did a widget Smith.
0: <laughs>
1: yep. In fact, if you're thinking of making, like, a Widget Smith for the lock screen, David Smith's already been on it probably for, like, a month. Don't even even try.
0: Tailscale.com slash coder. Go there to get a free personal account for up to 20 devices, and it's a great way to support the show. Tailscale is a zero-config VPN. You get it installed on any device in minutes. It'll take care of your firewall rules. It'll navigate your double-carrier-grade nets if you got something like that. And your devices will connect directly to each other on a mesh flat network using WireGuard's noise protocol for encryption. So you're building a flat mesh network that's your own private network using WireGuard's encryption technology. It's so great. Even when you're separated by firewalls or subnets or different providers, everything is on one easy to understand flat network. And then you've got great controls on top of that like ACLs if you want to share a particular machine or a particular port with another TailScale user. I use that functionality all the time. TailScale Send, which is kind of like AirDrop, but for all your TailScale systems. And now also TailScale SSH, which allows you to establish an SSH connection between your devices in the TailScale network. I think what's been key for me is I've used TailScale over, I don't know, the last almost a year probably. It's been a bit. I keep improving the way I have things set up. I've mentioned before, but for me, the big change was none of my networks now have inbound ports on my firewall. I just use Tailscale on my phone and I manage things that way. I've set up Home Assistant on my Tailscale network at the studio. So that way I can remote into the studio, over the Tailscale network, into the studio's Home Assistant instance and manage the lights and the heat and the fans and all that kind of stuff in the studio. It's made it possible for me to provide remote desktop support to my kids, my family members. And it's a game changer for folks that are not here at the studio physically, but need to get access to the resources we have on the LAN here for our remote workers, which is like almost always everybody but me. And it's just totally been a fundamental game changer. Tailscale is the product we all hoped would come along when we saw WireGuard was going to land in the Linux kernel. And now they've brought it to every platform with their special sauce that makes it work like magic. I think you're going to be really impressed. So go support the show and try it for free up to 20 devices when you go to tailscale.com slash coder. One more time, tailscale.com slash coder. I just wanted to mention really quickly that uh, today we got word that Patreon is laying off 17% of their staff affecting 80 employees, which also comes uh, after news that they laid off their entire cybersecurity staff last week. They're also closing their, Dublin office, um, as well, I think as other yeah, their Berlin office as well. So they're closing two offices and they are laying off seventeen percent of their staff. That comes in the shadow of a larger tidal wave of tech industry layoffs. Layoffs have affected Light Tricks, stream elements, jelly smack, TikTok, Snapchat, Snapchat. Several. I mean, we've been hearing about several tech companies that are beginning to do layoffs.
1: Well, this is we've been talking about this for a while, right? This is going to be a readjustment period.
0: You know, what's crazy is Patreon just raised one hundred and fifty five million dollars in VC funding last year. Are they already out of steam? Because in December, Patreon said they plan to double in size in 2022. In December. And now here we are. And they're doing rounds of layoffs and closing two offices.
1: Well, I mean, it, it kind of almost like with the, the digital advertising stuff being down, I imagine with things getting tighter, it's really easy just to cancel Patreons, right?
0: That's got to be it. That's got to be one of the first to go. Indeed. Well, boost that's why we're grateful for some boost. Alex Gates came in with 3,333 sats. Graphene OS is the best it's ever been with less compromises than before. If you want privacy, take it into your own hands and stop trusting the companies. That goes for both Apple and Google who have had CSAM news. I wish Linux phones were further along, but I'll take what I can get now. Okay. You know what, Alex? I am kind of up for taking the Graphene OS challenge. I'm pretty sure you can get it working on the Pixel 3. I have, my experience has always been these, these, these Android forks always have issues and their teams struggle to stay up to date with what Google's doing. But I'd love to be proven wrong. I like the idea of Graphene OS. I believe one of the things it offers is essentially a sandboxed Google Play API and store. So you can have some of those G-app goodies without it taking over your entire phone and monitoring everything you do. And Graphene OS is de-Google-fied, so it's not sending stuff off to Google, sending them metrics and things like that, but it's still a modern Android experience. That sounds really compelling. I went through the website after uh, this boost came in, and if you have the right hardware, you can actually flash your phone from their website. (laughs) It looks really, really simple. Of course, it never is as simple as it looks usually, but I want to give it a try, so I may have an update on that in the future. Woden 501 boosts in with 3,000 sats. Gives us another reason to act quick on your RSI issues. Bureaucracy. He says, start the process of getting ergonomic devices at your workplace ASAP because you never know how long it's going to take to actually get them. I've been waiting six months for my split keyboard and vertical mouse. Oh, geez. That sucks, man. The RSI is just getting worse in the meantime. I mean, I think you and I would just go out and buy our own keyboard, wouldn't we? Yeah. And that's probably not what you should do, really. The company should be paying for that stuff. But that's always how I've been. If they'd let me, I'd bring my own monitors, too. Just. You know, they just weren't willing to spend the money on the, on the keyboards and the monitors. Woden goes on to say, a vertical mouse is required for me. Uh, otherwise, I get bad trigger thumb. For a keyboard, a fully separated split keyboard with tenting is my go-to. Yeah, I agree. Split keyboard with tenting has been a game changer for my desktop upstairs. He goes on to say, I've got a mechanical keyboard with the tenting kit. It's been very comfortable to use. Well, thank you, Woden. And then uh, we got 2,000 sats from Fred. He says, check out Pay With Moon, guys. They're temporary credit cards that are useful for avoiding reoccurring subscription fees. So you can get one that's that's valid for only three months. PayWithMoon.com is where you go. It's like a a temporary credit card that you generate. This is so cool. I might actually try this out on the road trip because we were doing some sat splits in the booths. With Brent for Linux Unplugged and Office Hours, and so he is using Sats to uh, put fuel in the tank and buy goodies on the road trip. So pay with Moon could be an interesting little tri- trick. Yeah, Mega Strike boosts in, rounding us out Pew! with three thousand three hundred thirty-one Sats. Guys, I've got great respect for Apple and the work they've done in hardware. There's no denying that their products have a premium feel to them, and the M1 seems to have good performance. However. I just can't get behind their software. It makes zero sense and feels way too restrictive. Basic tasks that you can do on an Android, like rearrange your screen icons, not even an option on iOS. Their software is what makes it a complete deal breaker for me. But thanks, as always. I think we both understand that position. It is also what breaks it for you on the iPad most of the time. That and the policies. You combine the two and it's
1: (laughs) it's a mess. Ugh. The, the iPad, it's just it just mocks me. It could be that Star Trek tablet that I would love. But one day. One day. Maybe. And our last
0: boost came in from a young dookie. 50 sats. Pew! Just wanted to put this one in here. Usually we have a two sat, 2,000 sat minimum, but I loved this message. Finally getting set up with the podcasting 2.0 app. And now I've got Matrix, and I just wanted to say thanks. And, you know, I'm really, really kind of um, relieved and excited that, the Matrix decision seems to be a really good one. Our community is really growing over there, and it's a really good community. Uh, we have details at slash matrix. The podcasting 2.0 community has been incredible. The stuff they're building for future podcasts is so great. And PeerTube, which is where we're live streaming now, turns out has been a really great decision because it exposes a whole API available to us that we can use to do all kinds of really neat things. Like um, now, when we're live, if you go to jupiterbroadcasting.com right now, there'll be a red background behind the live link that just shows when we're live, the live link actually lights up live. For 15 years, you've never known when you go to our website if we're live or not. It's so ridiculous. But now we have an API that we can check to see are we actually live. And yeah, so it's just been great. So a lot, of, a lot of good technologies. And they're all ones that we're hosting that are all decentralized. Pretty stoked about it. So take that tech. Companies. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a little light thing. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Thank you, everybody, who boosted in. Also, thank you to Grant, who sent his first boost in this week. We also got 4,000 sats from OA Guy One, who just wanted to send me some safe travel wishes for the road trip. And we got a row of ducks from Mr. Quackers. Quacka Wacka, it's a treasure. Yippee. Thank you, everybody. If you'd like to get a new podcast app, you go to newpodcastapps.com. I love Podverse. It's open source, available on Android, iOS, and the web. And if you just want to earn sats while you listen to podcasts, you can try out Fountain FM. I'll have a link to my profile in the show notes. Um, Mr. Dominic, before we go, I have one email I wanted to read. And then I want you to tell us where to send folks. But check this one out. This is a simple one. This isn't even a high quality one, but I wanted to uh, read this email that came in.
1: Oh, God. From Dennis. I think I know. Yeah, I know which one this is.
0: Dennis would like to know our gambling and non-gambling prices. Hey, guys, can you quote me your best reseller prices on the following, please? A regular non-gambling ad and a gambling-based ad. Looking forward to hearing from you. Kind regards, Dennis. And, you know, all we'd have to do is say, hey, Dennis. Our price is $5,000 or whatever we want to set. And he'd probably pay it.
1: (laughs) I I think we should do that. Why can't we get some of that Barstool sports money?
0: You know, we could probably
1: just accept it. And I bet most of them wouldn't even notice if we ran them or not. They would just pay. Yeah. they would. You know know what we should do? Since I'm back into all the gaming stuff and I have more to announce soon. We should like sell esport ads. We could, what, what what could we sell? Uh, uh, you know, uh, dick pills. What about, what about packaging for your, uh, no,
0: no, you go on, you go on brand packaging for your cards.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I don't think they would pay as much, but I, I've been watching a lot of MTG streamers. They know their audience. You're, you're in your 30s, 40s. You, you need some help, uh, you know, in the bedroom. You're losing your hair. So you got some keeps advertising going there. Maybe some vitamins. Yeah. Some keeps. That'd be good. Yeah. Oh, we could do that. I'm sure around Valentine's Day, there's going to be like a million flowers and chocolate, you know, like, don't forget, idiots. I got
0: it right now. Hey, everyone. What's more important than your health? Well, your sexual health. That's why we want to tell you about our friends over at Big D Pills. That's right. Big D Pills. Go there to support the show and get $20 off your order of $200 or
1: more at Big D Pills. You know, (laughs) I I would even be sleazier than that. (laughs) We know that you're an arch user. You value performance and stability. Well, why not have
0: that in the bedroom? Right. We know you optimize your workstation so it performs at its best all the
1: time. Well, why not optimize your body? (laughs) BigDPills.com. And we could even do like the the mental health ones, right? We know you're running Windows and that hurts. BetterHelp.com. Oh, man, we got this. I I think we should catch their checks. I don't. You know,
0: you're right. You're right. I was going to say, you know, thanks, members. Thanks that we don't have to do this. But why not have it all?
1: You know, we could just have it all. Would they even
0: listen to know that we're screwing with them in the ads? (laughs) Oh, man. Oh,
1: I feel like we should launch a podcast where we do just that.
0: That's probably what some podcasters are doing. Let's be
1: honest. (laughs) Yeah, I've never known that there was like 400 companies who are worried about dudes in their 40s losing their hair. Oh, it's because you got to become a dude in your forties, and then all of a sudden they find you. Oh, uh, See, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm still below that mark, so
0: all right. Oh, they're coming for you.
1: They're coming oh, they're for coming.
0: You. In the meantime, thank you to our coder QA crew, our members who make it so we don't have to respond to emails like that and go into crazy schemes. If you want to support the show, keep us on the straight and narrow, keep independent content going. I look at it like this: when you're a member, you're investing in the ongoing production of this show, and when you're a booster. You're supporting that particular episode. You're supporting that particular release. You're, you're showing us value for that particular episode. Memberships invest in the long-term, day-to-day production because it's not just a one-day thing, you know? And that's amazing. CoderQA.co, you get an ad-free version of the show. You're also going to get some more features towards the end of the year, like a live feed and all that kind of stuff. And you can support all the shows and get all the shows on the whole network ad-free at
1: jupiter.party. Mr. Dominic, where do you want to send the good people this week? Uh, well, first, I have some emails to respond to, but follow me on Twitter at Dumanuko. There you go. Very good. You can
0: follow the show at Coder Radio Show. I'm there too. I'm not very uh, talkative, but I'm at Chris LAS and I try to respond if you message me. Links to what we talked about today, that stuff you can find over at coder.show slash 483 or go check out the new website, jupiterbroadcasting.com. And then this show here, we're usually live on a Monday over at Jupiter.2, 9 a.m. now, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern at Jupiter.2. And I'm I'm thinking we're schedule goes on as normal. I'll be doing the shows from the road, so tune in next week and see how that goes. <laughs> Who knows? But thanks so much for tuning into to this week's episode of the Coda Radio program, and we'll see you right back here next week.